Hello and welcome to the N17 Podcast, my name is Cosmo and tonight I'm joined by Jed Yo And we got the return of Aaron to the pod, Aaron how are we doing? Good evening, good evening, I'm all good thank you Bring in all positive vibes, sunshine and rainbows I hope, that's that's about oh, it you Yeah, Mr Optimistic here to save us from our doom and gloom How how optimistic are you feeling right now, let's get a little gauge on it Because. So, uh, I admire your ability to, to to remain optimistic in the midst of pretty much anything regarding Spurs. So pr- prior to the match, I, I felt like I could make a pretty good argument for why things were going kind of well. Um, we've only dropped. We'd only we only had to drop points away from home, and against opposition that I think is fairly understandable. But against Newcastle at home, we needed a, a much better result. I'm sure we'll go into a lot. Into um into that in a lot more depth a bit later on, but when you consider the the previous results away at Chelsea, fair enough. Um, away at Arsenal again, fair enough. Wait, West, West Ham, I, mean, I guess you West Ham. I, I think that's fair enough as well. That is their absolute cup final. Yeah, you'll um, take it anyway. You'll take it. Yeah, draw, exactly. Right? And then our home record was good, um, even though the performances weren't. Um, the the results were good, um, or they were passable, um. If all goes well, and and I was hanging my hat on if all goes well on on Wednesday night, then Champions League is in a, a decent position as well. But the Newcastle performance was somewhat damaging to my argument. Yeah, things um, went the way they did. Things went the yes. way they did. Well, one of the things, um, so I wanted to watch the highlights back before we had this conversation, and I kind of did know at the time um, that we started the game well. I think for the first 30 minutes, we played really well. Um, it was a, a really bright start. Uh, Sonny in particular was looking very sharp, although I think he should have done better um, with the chance he had. But I think what was so disturbing about this result, I think what has got everyone severely spooked is that it just looked like the old Tottenham are back. Like it looked like the stuff that we'd seen under Mourinho looked like the stuff we'd seen under Nuno where like all it takes is one, someone to have one, like a little bit of a Rick. And then all of a sudden the whole team falls apart. Um, the cheerleader, the person who led that whole thing was, was Hugo Lloris. Um, I didn't actually watch the, I didn't watch the United game. Um, but apparently, even though he ended up having a really good game in terms of being a shot stopper, apparently things kicked off with him making a bit of a, a shocking mistake. Jed, yeah. what, 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 do you, what do you think is, what caused this kind of, this downfall against Newcastle, I suppose? I, I, don't, I don't think there's just like any one thing that's caused it. Um, I will say that we are missing quite a few players and I think the longer Kulusevski out, the the higher his stock goes up. To be honest, because I think he's he's fast becoming our most important player. Um, no way of progressing the ball up up top whatsoever. Um, a lot of I want to say like a lot of errors, obviously defensively, but I think I think Basuma, especially in the last few games, and I don't want to pick on him. He's a new signing. I don't. I don't really think he's necessarily been great. I think he had some bright spots in the, against Newcastle, but he, he always seems to be chasing his first touch. Um, and then Emerson came back in against Newcastle, which I don't think he was 
he was the worst player on the pitch by any stretch. But again, it's just, if anything, I thought defensively he was worse than going forward. Um, and we've been saying for a while now that Conte just can't really seem to handle two games a week. And maybe that's why we're seeing this level of performance. Or maybe it's just that, I mean, it sounds very, very early to go on this, but maybe he's sort of taking the team as far as they can go. I'm not, I'm not too sure. I mean, I don't know what you think, Aaron, or what you think, Cosmo, but it sort of has that sort of aura about it. I don't know. I don't know about you. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, I was turning around to uh, my cousin Louis when we were watching the match, and I was just saying, this feels like a performance where they're not playing for the manager anymore. Maybe not playing for the manager is a bit too strong, but it had that feeling of like, you know where something's gone severely wrong. Um, and I think, unfortunately, in the last few years, because we've ran through so many managers, I think Spurs fans have got a knack of actually feeling that. Like I called it on Liverpool um, a while ago because it just reminded me of like the end of, of Poch kind of thing. And you can just see where a team drops off by like that 5%. And I'm not saying that's definitely happened now, but I think some of the body language on show, on display is not good. It kind of betrays that a little bit. But the thing that concerned me most was after the United game was on the athletics pod, uh, Jack Pitbrook, who obviously has sources very close to the club, very good sources. And he said, a trusted source said to him that um, the players are starting to question the methods a little bit and that they feel that um, going into the United game, um, they were set up to fail in a way because uh, every game is is sort of is set up for us to be on the back foot um, rather than being proactive. Yeah, that that worries me. When you start hearing stuff like that, it's like mm, something might not be, something might not be right here. At the same time, though, Jed, when we say maybe Conte is taking us as far as he can take us. There's so there's there's that core of players that have just been there and consistently let Spurs down. To be honest, um, they've brought us to a point of, you know, occasionally getting top four and occasionally pushing for the for the league. But it's the same players making the same mistakes, and Lloris is included in that. He's our captain. Um, Dyer definitely included in that. Davies, I know he didn't play that match, but he's included in that. And Kane and Son it feels harsh to include them in that because they have performed to a very high level. But I think maybe there's kind of like an endemic thing within the, the dressing room where they just don't have that right mentality. And maybe that doesn't match up with Conte. And maybe we need to be ruthless and maybe we need to kind of cull this whole team. Um, I've been rambling there. Uh, oh, I, think, but... I think, I think you might be spot on with that. And I think, look, I, I, on the last pod, I said before the United game, I think we might go on a run. Um, I didn't quite, I didn't say what sort of run in it. So let me just come back to that. <laughs> nice um, save, yeah. And basically, my point is that like we can be very reactionary as fans, but I completely agree with your point there, Cosmo. And I think just on that, I think the fact that, like you mentioned, those players there have been on such like a, it's, it's been a very emotional journey, whether it be from the heights that we went to under Poch, where we basically competed for the title for large parts for two seasons, at least. We got to a Champions League final. 
And then we bring in, for the first time really ever as a club, someone who you would consider a serial winner in Mourinho. And then they sort of go on that journey where up until Christmas, they were probably one of the best teams in the league. Again, not the greatest football, but it was very effective football at the time. And then Mourinho goes and then you have the whole Nuno thing. And then our, our best player wants to leave and basically doesn't turn up for training. Basically, I just think this that core of players have been on such a journey together that if you come so close to winning something and you don't get there, I think it must be mentally exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you say, I think it's just that it's that blend of like bringing fresh blood in because we feel, I, I feel like we've been for a rebuild, but we already need another rebuild. That's that. I don't know if that's because maybe the new players that we brought in aren't as good, or it's just that those previous players that, that have been there for a long time are just maybe barring Son and Kane, maybe they're just not up to it anymore. And I think maybe we just need a bit of fresh blood in the place to sort of try and change the atmosphere and the mentality around the place. I I I kind of get what you're saying, Jed, in the sense that those two um, have expunged so much emotional energy. Like we've been on this journey with them. We've literally seen them go from, I remember saying to people, oh no, next year we can win the league because these are young players. They're growing. Like, don't worry. Oh, it's okay if we don't sign a, sign a player this, this window because we're a young team and we're growing into it. They're not a young team anymore. And imagine being Kane and Son, you're 29, 30, you're looking back in your career and you're like, I've only just missed out so many times on winning it's a huge load to carry and especially when you're not refreshing around them enough we've refreshed but not enough which is maybe why you feel like we've rebuilt but not really rebuilt um energy carries and energy continues to stay in a place and maybe that's why we have this mental fragility um i also think there is a slight this is a very meta point about podcasting but I've, I have thought about this. Obviously, we do the podcast every week. There is, I think the reason why it feels like we we do knee-jerk a lot and there's a lot of finality of what we say is that like, I think inherently there's like a problem with the weekly podcasting platform where you're reacting to every result just on a, as if that's kind of like the end of history and that's, that's everything that's going to be. But there is a, there is a case to say that we need to view things over the course of a whole season. And then by the, by the end, we might look back on it and be like, oh, this was a bit of a rough patch. But when you're having to fill an hour and be like, oh yeah, this guy is terrible. This guy is terrible. It sounds like the end of the world. So there is that, there is that. And Aaron, I saw you wagging your finger at me. I feel like this is maybe yeah. where the positivity comes in. So it, this, this is, there, there is some positivity. I think we are in a season where in a couple of games time we're pausing this this is we're pausing for a an international tournament we won't go into international football too much but this this is a mid-season international tournament a world cup year that has been this is going to be uncharted waters no one has had in english football this kind of reshuffle this kind of calendar and i think that our, our story is certainly not going to be set before Christmas. I think there's so much to be done, so many unknowns for after that World Cup that us saying that it's all done now is, is I think, a little bit too too far. I think there are going to be so many teams that are going to have to respond, whether they've had their whole squad go to the World Cup or the majority of their 
senior players go to a World Cup and what fatigue that's they're going to play on them. If you're Salah or Haaland that are just going to be sitting at home recharging, um, which is that going to be a benefit? Is they, are they going to become rusty? I don't know. Um, we, we, that's that's part of the problem. We don't know if those players that are playing more football are going to fatigue or the ones that are staying at home doing nothing are just going to, because of the lack of games, they're going to become, as I mentioned, a bit rusty. I think that given the unique nature of this season, I think it would be foolish of us, given the position that we're in, doing well, and we are doing well in the league, if people had offered us sitting in top four, I think, whatever it is, 11 and 12 games in, I think most of us would have would have taken it. Um, and we are still in a good position in the Champions League. We'll see what happens on Wednesday evening. Um, FA Cup, not happened yet. EFL Cup, no one cares about. Um, but we say no one cares about it, but we would have liked to have won it, won it when Brian win, Mason was at the helm. That. No, we yeah. need to win that this season if we can. We need to win anything. Yeah, now. well, exactly, yeah. Um, Ryan Mason did his best, bless him, but I wouldn't have sacked Mourinho, but here we are. Um, and I, I think my, my point mainly being that there is, there's still a lot of hands to be played in this. See, there's the, the old cliche, it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, and we have we have got someone that has completed this marathon and come out on top before. So well, yeah, I wouldn't be but, pulling but, the trigger just yet. Okay, and then to flip flop back into drag <laughs> you back down to about a Jets level, which is <laughs> something that that Conte said, which which has annoyed me to be honest. Is um he's, he's called for patience and he's called for three or four transfer windows. He said like with the the football will improve the further we go on, the more they learn my methods. And I'm going to need three or four transfer windows to get the players I want. And Levy needs to spend more money. And I saw that and I thought, oh, that's all well and good. But mate, your contract is up in about eight months. So I feel like Conte wants to have his cake and eat it right now. Um, And I realise a lot of pent-up frustration is coming out from me against Conte. But this is something that I've always kind of felt about him is that he's never really committed to Tottenham and he's kind of one foot in one foot out and I think saying I need three or four transfer windows while you're also saying well the club have to convince me to stay because I might not want to stay because I don't know if they actually match my ambition that can't be good for the players and it's not good for the fans um it's yeah um it's not helping uh Jed I was gonna go to you but I just heard was that your dog howling or something yeah, someone's just swung on my doorbell, so I might have to mute for a sec. She's going nuts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I agree with your point, but just for the listeners, I'll mute myself quickly. Aaron, what, what do you make of that, then? What do you make of th- those comments? I think part of my reaction is that I I know that Levy isn't going to get rid of him. So I, I mentioned this a bit earlier on off air, but I, I, I know that he Levy is not going to get rid of him. And I just think that if we're going to cast some blame, then Levy has got to do everything in his power to make sure that there is no blame on him. Because I think a lot of the times our, our Levy blame goes up and down and his stock goes up and down as well. And I think that he's got to do everything within his power to ensure that his stock is as high as it has ever been. Um, given that we've, if you look at the quality of manager that he has brought in, Mourinho will go down as one of the greatest managers in history, although he's not had the success recently as he has of the mid to late 2000s but Conte is a, a winner as well Nuno we don't speak about but those two he, sh- he should have got success out of them and he should have given them 
the tools that they that they needed. Uh, you know what it is with with this like this past three years of Spurs, which I feel like we've we've sort of become as a club is that it's it's so we we had that time under Poch, which was an incredible journey. We played ex- exciting football. It was a project, and I think in Levy's mind, I think he thinks he made a mistake sacking Poch, and at the time, the only way to justify that was bringing in Mourinho as we said, a serial winner who has had an, had an amazing career, maybe a bit over the hill, but it gets the fans excited. And I think ever since we sat Poch, I think we've been on this sort of like arc of basically just trying to hire whatever the big, biggest name manager is at the time. And don't get me wrong, when we sat Nuno, we were in an awful place and we did we stumbled into Conte by chance. And... I'm happy we did because he's steadied the ship massively, more than steadied the ship. He has done very well for us in that period. But my worry is now is that with Conte, we're we're at a point where the noise is that we're looking to offer him a, a, well, it sounds a bit, a very big contract. We know Conte's history. We know how, how he could just explode at any moment. And for me personally, I think with the stuff that Cosmo's mentioned with the way he's almost not belittled the fans, but almost like spoke down on the fans because we should be oh so grateful that he's here. I think if we were to offer him a contract and things didn't get better, I can just see the mood changing completely the other way. And I think, I don't think it would take long to do that. And I think we would then be left in a situation where we're going to have to pay out an awful lot of money to a manager who realistically, we, we could have seen this coming because of his comments already. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right direction is to go for us at the moment. And I'm not saying Sat. I don't think Sat Conte now is the right option. Don't I don't think any of us are saying that. That's no. the thing. No, it's not, it's not Sat Conte now. But for me, in my mind, I'm just extremely wary of Conte long-term. And I don't know if that's the sort of manager we need at the moment. And I know people will say, oh yeah, but we need to win trophies and we need this winning mentality. But... I'm, I'm not sure. It sounds crazy. I just don't think Spurs are that club. I don't think we're that club. Especially not at this moment in time. I think maybe if he committed to that contract and he was like, yeah, I can see myself being here for like three or four years and he really made an effort to, to be honest, just be a bit more positive, um, I'd be happy. But while we're in this turmoil, like say he did accept that contract and say we are paying him like, I don't know, 40 million a year. We probably already are paying something near to that, but let's just say 40 million a year. And then like the next week he was like, oh, I'm just not so sure about the level of this club. I I don't know if I'm being backed. Um, You know, I don't really know why, like he's almost saying when he says that, I don't really know why I took this job. If he started doing that again, Mm. I would be furious, to be honest. And Just flip-floppy as us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's probably one of the people at, at home listening are probably thinking. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It, it it's hard to back him because he's not all in. That's the thing. And we're fans, so obviously we are going to be all in. Um, yeah, it's uh it is a tough one. It is a tough one to be fair. Um, another thing, I suppose this is more moaning from me, but I think one of the frustrations is like when I was watching the. Chelsea United game um, and when Chelsea were getting overran in midfield 
Graham Potter took off his third centre-back and put on a centre-mid and kind of shored things up a little bit. And the lack of Conte's flexibility and his dogmatism is quite frustrating. The fact that in that match, we needed to change something. We needed to change something. But instead, he just slightly tweaks from a 3-5-2 to a 3-4-3 and he puts Lucas on. Uh, I mean... I don't know what that guy's still doing at the club, really, Lucas. I think that performance was was dreadful. Um, and I don't know, the subs lately from Conte have not been good. Didn't make a sub against United until the 80th minute. Um, I actually don't think we made enough of uh, the Arsenal game. I don't think we actually mentioned it in the post-match pod um, about him bringing on three defenders. In a derby, I think that's... An absolute disgrace. I know we had 10 men, but looking back on it, it was it was a disgrace. Um Aaron, where are you at in terms of his substitutions? Uh I think, yeah, the the, the substitutions need we need to have this conversation, but we were happy at the beginning of the year when we were like, oh, we've always got Kulusevsky or Richarlison to come on, and both of them are now broken. If you look at that team that played against Newcastle, there was like at least three starters that were unavailable. I'm only including one of Richarlison and Kulisevsky. No Romero, no Hoybier, and um, then Richarlison or Kulisevsky. And that's, I think that has a big impact on the on the performance. And I think that has a big impact on the subs as well. When you've got... Brian Hill is clearly not, not loved, despite whatever river dance he was doing against... Um, Frankfurt when he won that penalty, um, which <laughs> it was a bizarre cameo from here, I must say. He <laughs> had a little bit of everything. A lot of effort. Got, yeah, a lot of effort. He got thrown off the ball about four times and then he won a penalty. Um, but I think when you, when you look at the bench, he's quite happy, to obviously, to bring Perisic on or, or Cessna on. Um, but Beside that, at the moment, there aren't that too many options. He's got everyone else on the pitch that, he's, that he likes. And resulting to Lucas, that was uh, the selling commentary, that that was the earliest that he's come on. And it was like the 69th minute or something like that. That's the earliest cameo that he's, that he's had. All the, all the rest of them were 82 plus. And I admit that Lucas is dry. But the, the, he clearly doesn't back some of the squads. And I think this is what he's saying, that he needs he needs more transfer windows if, if we want him to to use his subs he's got to have players that are usable it is my stance on it yeah that's true that's true and um, whatever Romero is doing sorry to cut you off whatever um Emerson is doing to him in the locker room is <laughs> it's got to be something special because how that man you don't help him putting our, putting our kit on I don't know that's what I'm saying Conte don't help himself he can't he can't on one hand be like Okay, yeah, don't get me wrong. Our, our right wing back options are pretty, pretty dead. Um, well, we don't know about Spence. We haven't seen him. But as we've stood firm on on this point, on this podcast, from basically the beginning of the transfer window, right wing back was the priority. I think Conte. Well, word word going round is that that Conte actually really likes Emerson Royale, and if that's the case, then he needs to be questioned on that sort of judgment as well, because that is absolute insanity um, he also said last season that he can make Eric Dyer one of the best centre-backs in the world and that I'm not getting paid that much money a week a year wherever it is but 
it doesn't take a fucking genius to see that Eric Dyer can't be one of the best centre-backs in the world and Emerson Royale isn't a right wing-back. Um, so don't get me wrong. While the options that we have aren't great, I think if he was really desperate, he would have been to the board in the summer and said, I need a right wing back for the system. You can't tell me that if we couldn't get our first choice, that after that there wasn't options after that that weren't 10 times better than Emerson Royale in that position. You can't tell me that there's not a central centre-back out there. And let's be honest, central centre-back in a back three is a pretty simple role in in professional football. It's very simplified. You don't have to do an awful lot. And the fact that, yeah, Dyer had the good start to the season, got his England called up. But ever since then, I don't know what it is. He has been absolutely shocking. I'm, I'm so... In fact, I'm actually annoyed you missed it on Wednesday, Cosmo against United. Because hey, you were sad in the chat. You, need, you just needed to see. If, if you thought the Newcastle game was bad, for me personally, the, the United game was at least two or three times worse than the, the Newcastle game because there was nothing to cling on to in that game. Yeah. W- one of the things that frustrates me about like the fact that we said right wing back is somewhere where he needs to upgrade is that if you don't, if he didn't want Jed Spence, why accept signing him? I'd rather us just not have signed him, sold Doherty and signed like a stopgap at right wing back, even if they were like 29 years old and they weren't like the first choice. I don't understand the logic of keeping two right wing backs, one who is abysmal. Emerson Royale is an abysmal football player. Two, in Doherty, he's coming back from a big injury. He was only ever someone who surprised us as like quite a good right wing back. He did well, but you even with him doing well, I think you could have said that we could improve on him. Um, another point I want to make is that the the left wing backs are awful. Sessegnon is not good. He's not good enough anyway. Um, they were saying on Royal Roos, maybe he'll go to somewhere like Everton and he'll do well there. But yeah, I think that's about his, his level. Um, and Parasic. Man, I, I I was banging the drum for Perisic. I was saying how he was so good for Inter and his, the fans thought he was world-class and stuff. Since he came in, apart from his corners, he's been pretty poor. And it was hard to kind of agree with this argument um, at the time. But I do think he does make Son worse. And I think we've seen Son perform better when Sessegnon's on the pitch. And it's because Perisic takes up the same positions as Son and doesn't really do anything when he gets into those positions. I think lately he started to look his age. And I kind of, I did get to the point where I was like, I want Sessegnon started. And I think I said it last time on the pods that I think he's the first choice. Uh, but he's not good enough. Um, yeah, Aaron, uh, I'm coming to you. Adogi's on loan. What do you think we should do? Uh, do we need to fix this in January? Well, I think that, yeah, that, the wing-back situation does need to be addressed heavily. I was just thinking, Emerson was played through the other day, and if you take like a screenshot or freeze frame of like one second, he's like in, like and <laughs> it hits him on the thigh, it just bounces to one side. And I'm just thinking, like, if you compare him to, I know he's a world-class right wing-back, but if that's like a Reese James running through, you're thinking goal. Yeah. But <laughs> Emerson... <laughs> He's got his Timberlands on, like it's gone all over the shop. And then the, the chance is literally gone. And in the same passage of play, I think we literally threw on goal 
And within about 20 seconds, the ball's back at Larissa's feet and it's yeah, looking yeah, like, yeah. Right. Gonna looking say like shaky was, jakey. I was going to say that, yeah. It's always, um, it always ends, back, um, ends up back at Larissa's feet. The, 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 the thing I have with Perisic is when he gets into a, a position to do something, I trust him more than Emerson. So that's why I, they're not in the same category at all. And Sessignon, he's only ever going to try and get on the outside and try and cut something or dink something to the back post. But I, I just think with Perisic, he's going to try something. And I just think he can actually beat someone. Doherty can make a good pass when he's in the right position and he knows the positions to get into. I just don't understand why Emerson's anywhere near anything. I think there is literally Perisic on the right, Doherty or Spence, who I mean fucking seen for anything other than sub-performances. And I'm pretty sure one time he came on as like the second right wing back that was on the pitch. Yeah, like, he did, yeah. We were, we were doubling up. Um, like we ha- He has not had a, a fair fair chance on the pitch at all. I don't know what he's doing in training, but we, there was one quote that Spence was doing well in training, but I'd have thought that with Emerson's three-match ban, which seems to have only, is already over, which seemed to go very quickly by my count, um, I, oh, I think we should just use Emerson as like, I don't know, who we, like, we're playing Liverpool soon. Just send him on to break someone and take a red again. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't wish injury upon anyone, anyone, but I wish suspension upon Emerson. Because I've, I'm at the end of my tether with him. And we haven't even touched on, we haven't even mentioned the name Davinson Sanchez. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I think we just know where we're at with him. He's not good. And like, it's not even his fault that he's not good. It's just, he needs to be improved on. I remember saying it actually a few weeks ago. I said, um, Romero gets injured so much. Do we need to buy a right centre back? I think we do because when you have Sanchez coming in, he there was one point where he literally got the most average ball passed back to him. It was on the floor. Maybe the ball had travelled 10 yards and he just let the ball go under his feet, completely unopposed. How can a professional footballer be doing that? Another thing I want to say is that Emerson Royale... His defenders, they'll say he's a good defender and stuff. Him at right centre back, <laughs> that was dre- he was dreadful. There. He was I saw someone say he played all right. I saw someone say no, he played right. You're lying. You're lying. I'm not. I'm not. I can't remember. I can't remember. There's someone on Twitter. What is the that solution going forward? Hour. Do you think? Do you think Doherty right? What is the strongest pair of of, of wing backs? Doherty right wing back. Perisic left wing back. What those? Perisic right <laughs> wing back, Harvey White left wing back, or something like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. What's happened to Romero, by the way, Jed? We're going to go to you as the Argentinian correspondent. I'll never, I'll never say that. Um, <laughs> who knows? It's probably probably just chilling until the World Cup now. Probably in fucking Argentina somewhere, just waiting. <laughs> That's another mystery. But you see what I mean with with Spurs and injuries. No noise up until the game. All of a sudden, fucking Hoybier and Romero are out. I know. What's happening there? With minor injuries, apparently. Hoybier doesn't miss much or anything. Kulisevsky's is meant to be a minor injury. Now, apparently, it's, it could be up until the World Cup. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with Aaron, and, and I know that um, once we do get some of these players back, I, I, I don't doubt that we will look a bit better. But... Yeah, I don't know. I think Conte needs to stop having these favourites. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't think Tanganga is the best of players. 
But I don't see what harm bringing Tanganga on at right centre back instead of someone like Sanchez is. What he played from, to be honest. Exactly, Tanganga's maybe not a lot. Well, Sanchez is awful on the ball, so maybe he is a lot better on the ball than Sanchez. But I, I just don't understand. I don't understand why he has these favourites and he continues to pick these players that just offer us nothing. I don't. I don't get it. Um, in terms of bringing some positivity, I thought at least Skip and Benson Kerr were good. Um, yeah, Benson Kerr was props. was very good. To be fair, um, <clears throat> yeah, even, even watching it back, I didn't know that he had that little turn of pace in him. Um, that's come from nowhere. But he was Skip, really angry at one point. He did like a an eighty meter actual sprint. Yeah, like around about three players hunting them down, and he was he was gassing. He was he was on his he was on oh it was on his bolt stuff. He yeah. was moving. No, he's he's a great player. He's a great player, and like he's one of those ones where you can't say that he's not fighting for the for the shirt. Skip, yeah. I thought first half was very good. Um, you could see his fitness is like not there because I think as the game went on, he kind he's of faded. Done. But I liked the fact that he wasn't. He was showing more than just being a CDM. He was uh, getting forward, played nice pass to Kane at one point. I think I kind of always say this, but like I think we forget how good a player Skip actually is, and like. In that poor period under Nuno, he was genuinely like such a bright light for us, and he was probably one of the best players under Nuno. Before, yeah, before he was injured, he was one of the first names on the on the team sheet. Easy, he was he was nailed on. I think but, yeah, he's taking a long time to come back. He was our best player under Nuno. Yeah, mm. and, we, and everyone used to say, "Oh, wait until Skip can replace Hoybier in the team." Feels like a long time ago now, uh, but we were saying that like people yeah. definitely preferred Skip to uh, to Hoybier. Um, but we did miss Hoybier a lot. Yeah, a lot. Definitely love him. I do think some of the players are looking tired now, so I think the the Zoom's going to cut off. But I think that's also one thing to note. And I know people might be suggesting that maybe Conte has set up this sort of um, program so that we're a lot fitter after the World Cup, while other teams might be gassed. I'm not so sure that's the case. But what I do know is that he needs to start rotating a lot more because some of those players are looking absolutely gassed. Yeah, and on that, we have, I think we've run the most out, or like won the most out of all the teams. So I don't know how that's saving us for the World Cup. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, the, the Zoom's going to run out. Let's, let's come back for a part two. All right, welcome back to part two. Um, we got kind of distracted uh, in the midst of, of the break and I've kind of forgotten my, my train of thought. So the listener will know it exactly. Um, I don't know what I was talking about uh, previously, but we have had news of Hoybier and Dyer being offered contract extensions. Interesting timing, um, given Dyer's recent performances. Hoybier, I think we can all agree, is pretty integral to the team. Um, what do we make of it? I'll let Aaron go first. Hoybier is obviously absolutely crucial. I think if you if we denounce Dyer when he was on well in form this season then I think we'd have been happy as well but I think we're not as excited because of his dip in form but I do think that he is someone that can be in the squad going forwards whether he's he's definitely someone that we could improve on but I think he has a place in the squad going forwards Um, Hoibi as we mentioned crucial love him I feel like he is someone that would run for a brick wall for the for the club, and I think that's 
more people like that would be brilliant. I think he's a obviously a natural leader, was captain at Southampton. Um, someone that I would ha- happily let if Kane or <laughs> Lloris weren't playing, happily let wear the armband as well. I know what I was going to say now. I know what I was going to say. Um, so <laughs> John Bass on Rule Roost said that he thinks part of the reason why we were playing we were playing slightly worse football is that when Conte came in last year, it was clear that like we could kind of just go for top four and there wasn't that much to lose. Um, especially, especially after the Burnley game when we lost and it looked like we were completely out of it. He came out like a politician kind of like setting up his stall and he said, from here on in, we're just going to try everything to get top four and... You know, he kind of said there's nothing to lose, but like we need the fans to come away, come along with us on this journey. And we were playing a more expansive style of football um, towards the end of that season. And is there a case that going into this season, we've been hyped up as potential dark horses in the title race, um, potentially winning a, a cup or something? Do you think Conte feels he has more to lose? Uh, and that is a factor in the, the poor style of play, Jed. It's it's hard to say because I think if he if he did feel that he had something to lose, I don't think he would be going on about this I need three to four windows sort of thing. I think if he thought he had a lot to lose, I think I actually think it would go the other way. I think he would sort of um I don't know, I think he might try and be a bit expensive. But I do also think as well that part of why it was clicking a lot for us last season is because the results that we were getting um, I think it just bred confidence. Mm. And I know that's a very simplistic point to make, but I, I genuinely do think that's a thing. If you're playing very well and you're scoring a lot of goals and everything's coming together, you have that confidence going into games. And it's only really until, what, the last, what was it, seven, eight games of last season, where we like we were basically faultless, apart from that game against Brighton. Um, I don't know what it was that clicked, in that moment, but something obviously did click. Maybe it's that we were playing a few teams that didn't really have much to play for at the time. I think we played like a mid-table Newcastle side who we comfortably beat. And then I say that we 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 put Leeds aside very easily, but they were at the end of their Bielsa, uh, their Bielsa tenure. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it, it could be a bit of that. And again, I just think... I think the the league has seen like a, an influx of like quite modern managers now, and I think a lot of them are very adaptable. And I think with the way that we play, um, if you can read these so called automations, I think that's that's all you really need to do, I suppose, because you know outside of that that we're not really going to spring any surprises. There is one way that we play, and you know if you can lock down certain areas, that you're pretty much going to lock off the whole way we play. Um, and I think that's that's where Conte needs to become a bit more adaptable as well if he's gonna if he's gonna sort of stay at the level he considers himself to be. I think he sees himself as a title winning manager, which to be fair, history shows he has been. But I think in the last three to three to four years, I think you have to show that you've got just a bit more about you than just setting up one way. And I think Conte's a bit too stubborn at the moment. What do we need to do? Uh, what would you like to see us do in January, uh, Aaron, in terms of positionally? I'm glad you added that on the end because what I actually want us to do is like take Romero around the back of the stadium and 
Det er Royal, Royal. You mean Royal? Did I say Emerson? What did no, I say? You said um, Romero. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I misspoke. I misspoke. I mean I Royal. Yeah. Before, right? A lot well, of people. Before. A lot of people do that. To be fair. Yeah, well, I meant Emerson Royale. He he is the one that needs to be put down. Um, the thing is, there was a point where he had won people over, and you saw the truth. I remember. I, I, you were one of the people they won over. I'm I'm gonna throw you under the bus. He, he won you over. I think it might have been the the Twitter or the TikTok videos or the, oh, his compilations. God. But so embarrassing. But, yeah, but. Going back to the actual question, what do we need to do positionally? Apparently, we've strengthened right wing back by bringing Spence in, even though we don't play him. And I think, given his recent form, we do need to look at a, a goalkeeper, whether it's to come in in the summer and actually like challenge Lloris. Because who, who was the last person that actually... I know he's, he has been very good for whatever it is, the past 10 years, um, or however long it's been. Um, it might even be longer. Um, but his last competition was like probably Brad Friedel. Friedel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's he's got to be in his mid sixties by now. So, <laughs> but but so we've got, I think we've got to look at the goalkeeper situation. You could argue that we're all right in midfield. Everyone's a bit bland though. There's no one that's going to really like. We are we argued about getting a number ten in the summer. Um, and there was whispers of making a bid for Madison or as there was the geezer from Roma as well. Um, uh, begins with a Z. His name's... Saniolo. Yeah, him as well. So I don't know if we want to revisit those. We we probably need a midfielder that is slightly different to what we've got. Um, left wing back. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words there as well because we've just bought Perisic in. I know that was never going to be a, a long-term situation, Very but Paris is meant, meant to be turning Sessignon into the into the goat. So that's I, I see them having their little chats and pep talks, but he hasn't hit any form either. Outside of all those eleven positions that I've just mentioned, I don't <laughs> think that yeah, apart from we, that, <laughs> yeah, we don't think we need to do too much. I, I, we've got to get the, a stronger bench for sure. Like we can't have Lucas. Lucas is doing nothing. Hill's given us nothing. I, I do have faith in Hill because when we went to that conference league game, he he really blew my socks away with how he was able to take on those those farmers. Um, I, I do have faith in Hill. Lucas, I've got no hope for. Literally, the rest of the bench, I've got no hope for. Um, where where is Alfie Devine? No idea. He should have gone out on loan. Um, let's just recall Scarlett and start him every week. <laughs> that'll do that'll do me Jed what do you think I think we need to bring in a number 10 personally uh, I can't see it happening um, but yeah we need something more creative in the in centre mid because we're just we're so limited we're so tied to if Kulisevsky's not playing we're done that's not a way to set up a football team I, I don't I don't think I don't think a number 10 it will ever work in a Conte system but I do think we need like a very very active eight so, like, obviously it would never happen, but someone in the mould of, like, a Barella, um, yeah. who... And just so, like, I, I know if I know if we were to do something like that, we would sort of be tied to a 3-5-2, um, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. I know it hasn't looked great in the past few games, 
But I think I agree with your point, Cosmo, that the ability to switch between a 3-5-2 and a 3-4-3, but having genuine quality when we do so, I think could be effective for us. Um, aside from that, I, I agree with Aaron's point on, on Hugo. I don't think January is going to be the time to do it, but I think after these past... After, well, basically from the beginning of this season, I would hope that the club have sort of been earmarking uh, specific keepers, sort of putting the blocks in place to make a move for them. Um, and then, yeah, I think we spoke about this on the last pod, but Sanchez needs to be upgraded on. I think Glenn said another right winger to back up Kulusevski because I don't think Hill is really in favour of Conte. And then... Yeah, left wing back's a problem, but we've just bought a left wing back, so and he's not going to come back from Udinese, so we can't go out and buy another one. Um, so yeah, same as Aaron. Really, I've said a lot of positions, but I think in 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 fairness, Conte has said himself it's it's not going to be done in one or two windows. We maybe we do need to be patient with it. Yeah, I, th- I think realist realistically. We can get another forward and then be beneficial to the squad straight away. I think the wing backs are unlikely to be improved yeah. unless there is outgoings and then instant replacements. I think centre back can be improved without there being too many outgoings, really. Um, same with uh, a forward, whether it be a right or left winger. Um, other than that, like I said, I think everywhere else, centre mid is tied down. Um, and I think the wing backs are tied down as well, unless some of them go. Yeah, one of the things I did actually want to talk about is is the goalkeeper. And even before Larry started making those mistakes, um, I watched a compilation of Diogo Costa, the Porto goalkeeper. And it was just almost like, you hear all this, this talk of modern goalkeepers and whatnot, but like literally seeing that, I was like, wow, like, Having a goalkeeper that can play out with his feet is such a huge asset. And um, De Zerbi actually said something interesting when he came in at Brighton, which was, I'd rather us make mistakes um, trying to play it out from the goalkeeper, trying to play it out from centre-back, um, rather than just kicking it long. Because, you know, you might make one big high-profile mistake, but the amount of chances you actually create over the course of the season is so much higher Um and we, we we are never going to see the kind of the potential of that because we have a goalkeeper who literally can't pass the ball out with his feet. Spurs fans won't like this, but I was actually watching um, the art. Well, I think we've all had one eye on Arsenal at the moment, but just watching Ramsdale and the way he sometimes he just pings it out to like the fullback effortlessly mm-hmm. as if he's like a centre mid. And it just made me think, again, this is before Larissa was making mistakes. It made me think, wow, like having a goalkeeper that can play it out is such a huge asset and we've never ever ever seen that at Tottenham so we don't even know what it would be like so I actually yeah. think it's quite a high priority to sign a goalkeeper that can play out with his feet now I, it's not even just because Lloris is genuinely making mistakes now I think the game's moved on I think we actually do need to sign a goalkeeper that can play out with his feet even if he's worse at shot, shot stopping than Lloris mm. and considering how how especially especially this season I feel like there was a point where I thought Larice was getting better with his distribution. And I do feel like we're starting to trust Larice a lot more on the ball now. But like you said, Cosmo, he still can't fucking kick a ball. And he's, well, I say he's been, been in England for 10 years, like that makes a difference. 
he's been a professional footballer, footballer for what, 20 odd years. 20. Yeah. So he should know how to kick a football by now. But I completely agree with your point that, especially with the way we play, we like to, we sort of like to keep the ball and try and drag teams out of their shape. And Lloris does have to get involved in that sometimes. And I think we're going to make far too many mistakes when the ball gets to his feet. So I completely agree. There's there's a lot of a lot of keepers in the Premier League now that can use their feet. There's obviously Raya, Sanchez, um, Ramsdale, like you say. Not that we can get those sort of keepers, but we need to we need to be looking at that sort of keeper now. You know, think we can get Raya or Sanchez. I think I think we could. I think I have I have slight problems with both, um, but. You know what? I, I I don't think people will rate it, but I I I do like Pickford. I, I do like Pickford. I don't think I don't think necessarily his short passing is is like as good as those other keepers, but he can he can pick out a long pass. And I think if we have players like Kane and Son, who are going to sort of keep high, and it, I think it would be a good weapon for someone like Son. If, if he was like running over the top, having someone like Pickford who can pick out a long pass like he does, it's just another weapon that we can use. But I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of very good young keepers out there at the moment that are good with their feet that we should be looking at. I think realistically as well, we're quite um, an attractive team for a young new goalkeeper to come to as well. Larice is obviously coming to the end of his time, and if you look at all the other big clubs that we're we're tossing with at the top end of the table, they've all got their goalkeepers sorted out already. So you've got obviously Edison, Allison, Kepper's come back into favour under Graham Potter as well. Um mentioned Ramsdale. Um Newcastle have just signed Nick Pope. So I know he's not necessarily the best of his his feet, but they've just signed I doubt they're going to sign someone again straight away. Mm. Um I don't know if there's anyone else to, to mention, but we are the team that's that's needing a goalkeeper. Everyone else seems to have sorted theirs out. United as well possibly. That's okay. true. True, yeah. the same predicament that we are with mm, Louis, where excellent point. Shot stopping wise, the gay is probably starting to fall off a bit now. He's still a decent keeper, but with his feet, he is another one who is just very, very bad with his feet. And I think that's where we're going to have to act very quickly because I think we're going to be in competition with them for whoever. Did is they sell there. Henderson or is he just alone? He's on loan, but I think he'll. He's on loan, but I think he'll move permanently at the end of the season. Regardless. Is there no option to buy? I'm not too sure. I'm not too Probably sure. some relegation thing in there. So I, I think his his relationship was was really bad with yeah. United by the end. Like he said, like yeah. I I didn't even want to turn up to training because I didn't want them to see. I didn't want Ten Hag to see me and then be like, oh, I want to keep him around because he knew he was good. He just wanted to go. But Henderson, I think I'm right in saying he's n- not the best of his feet. To be fair. Um, not not, not that we were saying to sign him, but yeah, no, mm. Jed, I don't think that's a bad shout on Pickford. I quite like Pickford. Um, I like it him. does freak me out a little bit because he does look a bit small for a goalkeeper. Um, but he's always been good for England. I, I think, think he's taller than Larice. I think he he's actually, like, he, might, he just looks I think he might be an inch, inch or two, maybe taller than Larice. Yeah, maybe it's the short arms thing that everyone <laughs> speaks about. T yeah. Rex arms. I'm still not like convinced that he even has short arms. I think people just like bullying him. <laughs> people just like bullying England players, don't they? Like, I feel like people bullied <laughs> Harry Maguire into bad form. Yeah, I, was, I agree. Maguire was all right, and then they're trying to do it with Trent now as well, isn't it? They are. That's true. That's true. I, I've always thought Trent was a class player, but it's all right, I tricky old play. 
Yeah. I like like to see that, to be fair. On Trippier, though, on Trippier, yeah, really good player. And I just wanted to make a point on Newcastle at large. Yeah, yeah, if we signed him, he would have made a huge difference. Um, But I think Newcastle would have blown us out of the water on personal terms. But everyone's saying, like, oh, like, Newcastle have turned a corner. They're looking like they could get top four and stuff like that. That team is still is shit. I don't care. Like I know Bruno's a really good player, um, and Trippier's a really good player, and Pope's a good signing. But the rest of them, like they're playing people like Dan Burn. If we can't get at Dan Burn, there's I'm something all game. We didn't test yeah. him at all. Exactly, exactly. If Son and Kane couldn't spin Dan Burn, and like it's not a good team. That's what's so frustrating for me. We've just lost to a crap team. In my opinion, they still. They're being carried by this this wave of it's a weird wave. It's been it's somehow been spun into a feel good story, even though they've been taken over by like a murderous regime. But they are riding that hard, and as well. yeah, exactly. But we still should be putting that team away, hundred percent. That which that's is, why I'm so angry with this. Which is part of the point of why we say that Conte should be doing better with what he's got. Because yes, there's bad players in that squad and there's players that shouldn't be in that starting eleven. But you still can't tell me that that squad isn't better than a lot of the teams that are maybe not above us in the table, but outperforming us performance-wise. Because Newcastle played good football. Newcastle have been playing good football all season. Graham Potter at Brighton had a squad that was nowhere near us. And look at look look at how he was overachieving with them. Mm-hmm. Then you've got, other, you've got other teams as well. Even Marco Silva at Fulham. The way the way they, they play, they're they're so aggressive, they have so much energy, and it's just like we we're, we're just this passive team, and we have good we we have genuine good players. We have Basuma in our team, who before he came to us was one of the best midfielders in the league, and now we've made him look like Sissoko. Hey, yeah. hey, no, early Sissoko, early Sissoko. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the weird thing is with Basuma is that at times like he shows flashes of being a good player and then he'll just go back into doing something awful I think it's when we've got when we've got control of the game I yeah. think he, he looks a lot better because when when the game's sort of going against us he starts doing this weird fucking thing where every time the ball comes to him he tries to trap it with his studs and then yeah. he's constantly chasing he's constantly chasing it after that I don't know why he he just he decides to control the ball like that. He's also, I'm fairly certain, he's one yellow away from a suspension, and he was so lucky not to get booked again in that match. Like he just keeps doing stupid stuff. Uh, I think it's down to confidence. I think it's down to the way they're telling the players to play. Um, hopefully, we turn a corner, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good fixture coming up to do it. Um, obviously, we've got Sporting at home before that, but Bournemouth in the league. Should be beating them, um, but right now I don't even have confidence in that. Um, yeah, Sporting as well <sighs> should beat them at home, but I feel like that's going to be arm wrestle the way we're playing yeah. at the moment. Could go either way. Um, so yeah, let's see. Um, felt good to get some of that out. Uh, obviously, it is a negative one, but. It is what it is. That's just the life of a Spurs, of a Spurs fan at the moment. But um, yeah, thanks for joining me, Jed. Thank you, man. It's good. Uh, thanks for joining me, Aaron. Not a problem. And thank you for listening.